I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I remember the first time I went to therapy and sat down in the chair. It was an in-person therapy appointment and immediately felt weird. I think a lot of people feel weird when they first go to therapy. And the weirdness, it kind of bubbled up from this place of, one, oh, my problems aren't that big. This is silly. And two, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm the silliest person in the world because I'm so messed up. And I'm purposefully using that word silly because I think it's a word that captures the strangeness of sitting down with another person, specifically a mental health practitioner, and digging through your head a little bit. Because even just, say, 30 or 40 years ago, it would have been considered silly to do that. Oh, your problems aren't that that big of a deal. Oh, you're not dealing with that much. Oh, you know, just suck it up, get over it. We talked a little bit in the last episode with Father Kilcally how sometimes that can be the posture, especially among men, not to overly generalize, but there can be this, I'm just going to shove it down and ignore it and not pay attention to it, even though in dealing with my woundedness, in actually dredging up that gunk and seeking out healing, I can become a a happier, more joyful, more satisfied with my life person. But it's the process of digging it all up. And so I, I sat in that chair in that therapist's office feeling incredibly silly. One, well, my, my issues aren't that big. Or, or two, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm a, a total weirdo and completely beyond help. And it ended up being the best 45 minutes of my week because we just simply talked about truly what was, what was going on, what was going on in my head, what was going on in my heart and how to deal with it. That's really the journey of healing. As you've heard already with, with Dr. Bob Schutz and with Father Sean Kokali and Father Rob Gallia, as we've started to dig into this journey of healing and what healing looks like in the midst of it and on the other side of it, even though we're never quite done with it, I think sometimes, especially as, as women, and I'm speaking now as, as a woman, we can sometimes feel silly in dealing with it. If a man is, is shoving it down, a woman is, is maybe struggling with, oh, I don't want to make... Th- too much of a deal about this. I don't want to be a bother or this is all consuming and I I can't step away from it. We kind of live in these extremes. And I wanted to sit down with somebody who could help us kind of dig through those extremes, dig through what it, it looks like to recognize that it's not silly. It's not silly to sit down and actually dig through those things. It's not weird to feel weird about doing so. And then in fact, we as women especially begin to understand our worthiness in the eyes of God and and be accepted in the eyes of others, which is ultimately sometimes what we long for, when we realize that this seeking out healing and working on healing leads us to a place of hopefulness that this isn't silly, that this isn't weird, but that this is almost necessary. I wanted to sit down with somebody who does this, does this as a practitioner in counseling and in therapy, who's also done this themselves and who brings a lot of insight into how we can seek out healing from a place and a posture of hopefulness. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not seeking out healing simply because I need to check it off the to-do list, but because I deeply desire, I have hope that my life can be better that I can be better because I've sought out healing. 
Regina Boyd is a mental health counselor. She works especially with married couples in digging through this, this need to find hope and healing comes at it, of course, from both a Catholic and a secular perspective. And it's a wonderful conversation as part of our entire Ave Explorers series on healing. You know, each of these episodes that we're creating are sitting down with an expert who both talks from the, the practitioner side, looks at healing from this objective perspective, but also helps us dig into their own story of healing to where we can see ourselves in their journey. You can check out everything we're creating over at AveMariaPress.com. We are so grateful uh, that you are joining us on this series. We'd be grateful if you'd give the show a rating and a review. We especially would love it if you'd sign up for our emails so that you get these inboxes, uh, excuse me, you get these podcasts right into your inbox. But for now, we are super excited that you are with us for this episode on healing and hope with Regina Boyd. Regina Boyd, welcome to Ave Explores. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you again. We got to spend some time together this summer at Given. Tell us a little bit about what you do, where you are, and then how you got into the specific work that you do. Yeah, so I'm a therapist uh, trained in marriage and family therapy and also in mental health counseling. So I have both licenses and I have a private practice in Orlando. I work with individuals and couples and really just helping people to recover, to, to, to find healing, whether it be in the relationships after infidelity or just general struggles in marriage or individually as well. Because even when a person walks into my office, I often view them in the context of their relationships. And a lot of times we're, we're heard and impacted by the people around us. And that's what we spend a lot of time having conversations about is how we've been hurt and, and what to do about it, where, how mm -hmm. that's coming up for us and what do we do. What drew you to specifically, I'll ask the couples, that's a very yeah. niche area. It's a very common area, but like you have to have a certain desire to work with couples who are feuding or couples who are hurting, or you said infidelity. I mean, that's always really heavy. What drew you to that? You know, it's kind of interesting because when I went to grad school, I was really thinking about just John Paul's teachings on theology of the body and the importance of marriage and the family being the building block of our culture and society. I mean, I, I went in with a genuine desire to just help people in general, mm -hmm. but I really just had this mission to, you know, if I can help one marriage, if I can help, that's going to impact the wider culture. So that was a lot of my motivation. I think I went in a little naively <laughs> and, and didn't realize all that that would take and <laughs> how much work that would be. But, you know, even on the other side of that, it's it's been really beautiful to just watch the cycle of death and resurrection in the room to see people really go through their suffering, embrace it and come out on the other side more united and closer, you know, regardless of what those those struggles have been. So it's 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 a it's challenging work at times, but it's also really rewarding, really yeah. fun. That's a beautiful description, right? Because I think a lot of times with healing, everybody wants to get to the other side of healing, right? Everybody wants to be recovered. That was the first word you used, but not everybody wants to do the work. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that process begins to unfold? Yeah, I think most of the time people come in really hesitant. Well, not all the time, but some people come in hesitant and they're unsure, they're nervous, they've never been to counseling before, they might worry about if they're going to get this label, you know, like I'm going to stamp this label on them, oh, you're certified crazy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you have other people who are just really excited. They're happy to come in. They've heard a lot of good things about counseling and they're ready to get to work. So just, I think it depends on the person and where they're at when they begin. But I think what a lot of people appreciate is the opportunity to have their own space to focus on themselves, to have somebody focus on them for an hour. We don't often get that in our adult Mm -hmm. lives. We're just so busy. We have so many things, but to slow down enough to really dive in deeply about what is happening with me, whether mentally, emotionally, and how can I make some adjustments so Mm -hmm. that I experience life a little bit better, more easily. Um, I think people are pleasantly surprised usually, but it is, it is tough work. You have to be willing to confront some really scary Mm -hmm. things sometimes to get through that. I think it's interesting that the person who's resistant to therapy, and I was that person for a while. Yeah, I thought it was a selfish thing. I was mm. like, I don't have, I don't have time for that. Like, I don't, th- my issues aren't that big. Like, they're just like minor things that I'm probably blowing way out of proportion. And then the first time I went to therapy, I was like, oh gosh, this is not spiritual direction. This is not the confessional. Like, this is a person who, from a professional and objective perspective, wants to point things out to me. And, and tr- you know, that, that stereotypical, and how does that make you feel? And like, honestly, <laughs> I don't think anybody would ask me that, you know, or they'd mm. ask me that merely because like they wanted to then get to the, okay, well then what are you going to like the practical side of it, which the practicals is good, but like, this was a person I was paying, but this was a person who was entirely focused on what is going on in your head. And, and in a much more I think as a Catholic, and I've been going to Catholic therapists in my life, what's been going on in my heart How do we get people to an understanding that it's not selfish and that seeking out a desire to find healing is not some like weirdly narcissistic thing, but, but internal healing actually ends up positively affecting the culture, positively affecting my family, especially with marriage counseling. Like a couple comes to you, they clearly want to fix something probably for the greater good of their family. How do we start to explain that to people? Yeah, I I think about it. There's... I don't have it totally memorized, but there's a line in the catechism that talks about how we're integrated body and soul, right? Mm -hmm. So theologically, we're a body and spirit. And so the way I read that is there's when we do something for our bodies, including our minds, we're also doing it to our souls. And so I really view therapy as a spiritual action because you're being a good steward of your mental health, of your mind and soul, you're taking care of the temple that God gave you Mm -hmm. in order to bring about his work and to live your vocation better, whatever it may be. And so it's not selfish. You're actually really honoring the dignity of how you were created and, Mm -hmm. and continuing on that healing journey, that growth towards wholeness, towards holiness. We're all pursuing that. Um, and this is just one part to do that better. Mm-hmm. I love that, that integration, because it's an integration of yourself. It becomes an integration for your family, for your coworkers, for just, you know, what's that line? Hurt people, hurt people. And yeah. so the same way, like healed people can be healing in the world, or at the very least can hurt people less. Right. <laughs> I want to I wanna talk specifically, you know, you've got these couples that come to you. How frequently do you find that, you know, you've got to encourage, okay, you each need to go to therapy and separately, like, and not with me, you need to find a different therapist and then come back to me. Like you have to work on yourself before you can work on this relationship before you can work on the relationship with your kids. And we, you know, this, this week we talked to Father Sean Kokali about the masculine journey to healing, which is, uh, 
I would say a, a troubled road for a lot of men because there's this hard shell. There's this desire to nobody can know anything's wrong. There's I don't know if you've seen that commercial about the guy. He's he's working out in a gym and he's he's got these huge weights on a bar and it's like crushing him. And so this other guy comes over and is like, man, can I help you? And he's like, no, if my family knew that you helped me. And it's like this whole <laughs> bigger image that they're painting of like, you know, men put up this heart. Nobody can know that I'm getting any sort of help. Like I can figure this out for myself. I think on the flip side of that, sometimes women do experience that resistance or that, oh my gosh, this is, I don't have time for this, or this is going to make it come across as I'm selfish and I'm just trying to work on myself. But then there's the the other side of that coin, which is, I think sometimes women walk in and they've either blown things up in their head or they're ignoring what's actually at the root of it. And they think it's this one thing and they try to kind of self-diagnose. And then a therapist mm. has to very gently say, no, no, it's actually this thing over here. <laughs> and I'm speaking from experience here. So what do you see as women begin that healing journey? And specifically the feminine genius that is, I think, uniquely set up for seeking healing, but then sometimes struggles. What, what do you find in the feminine journey? Yeah, I one think, of the biggest things I've come across is feeling, being afraid of feeling like a burden or mm. too much. And because our culture affirms women being in tune with their emotions and discussing and processing and dialoguing, which is a great, you know, avenue in therapy. But I agree with you that that overanalyzing can happen sometimes to a point where it becomes unhelpful. Almost mm -hmm. we can get caught in these cyclical loops of, of anxious thoughts or worries about, well, is this what's happening? And how can I do this better? And is my family okay? Are my kids okay? Are my, are my friends okay? Do my, are my parents, am I respecting my parents? Whatever state we're in. And we, unfortunately, because we're stuck in those loops, it's really hard to get at the root of what's happening, which we're, we're really all asking the same questions, you know? Am I lovable? Will you, will you accept me? You know, mm -hmm. all of those fears about being heard or rejected, losing what we have, that's really at the heart of kind of what can spin some of those anxious thoughts. So I think, I think emotions are, are a beautiful thing and I'm a huge fan, but sometimes we can get lost in them as women as well in, in that we, we kind of over, <laughs> overdo it yeah. in a certain sense. Which yeah, is I mean, weird for me to say as a therapist, because I can never think you can overdo emotions, but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't, uh, you don't want to, this is not me saying like, it's bad to cry, but if you spend all 60 minutes crying, you haven't actually like figured out how to, what caused that, what caused those tears, what bubbled up inside of you to trigger. And obviously crying is not the only way to express emotion, but you know, I'm being a bit facetious. It's almost like it's the flip side of men. You almost have to pull it out of men like you're yanking it out of them. And with women, sometimes you have to say, okay, let's set that to the side so we can try to be objective. You're Catholic. And, and in your therapy, I mean, I can see the image of the Annunciation behind you in your office. Like there's, there's yeah. <laughs> clearly a faith component to this. And I think for women, especially knowing that, and this is something we said a lot in our mental health series years ago, like Jesus and the church care about my mental health. Sometimes the church objectively does not do the best job explaining that to people or even showing that to people. But I think people within the church, the body of Christ, do a really good job at times of expressing that to people. How have you found your faith? I mean, you, Regina Boyd, licensed professional counselor who's working with these people, how have you found your faith helps you navigate the waters with your patients and with your clients as they're starting to seek healing? I mean, is it something that you're able to make recourse to? Is it something that you encourage people to, to tap into as they to go back to that first word you used as they enter into that, 
that cycle of recovery of death and resurrection? How, how is your faith influencing that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've even used that analogy of, of death and resurrection in session in my conversations with clients. I think it depends on the person, right? If it's somebody open to the faith and this, mm-hmm. this is part of the reason why they're meeting is because we they know we share that faith, but it's absolutely something we can tap into. I think when you're living this life, it's it's a part of you and you can't help but talk about it and frame things in certain ways. So I think one of the biggest things for me is one, honoring the dignity of the other person. There's really nothing that somebody can say that's going to make me judge them in some way that's going to make it come across as really harsh or say, oh, that's too much. We can't deal with that. You're way out there. So I think that's the biggest thing and a sense of hope that healing is actually possible Mm. because I think there are some models of therapy that just manage and put a band-aid and say, well, this is how we get by until, and you know, you're with, you live with this forever and there's nothing you can do. But I, I just feel like that's such a hopeless sense of, of mm-hmm. approaching things. And so we know through the power of God that um, absolute healing is completely possible, but we put that within realistic standards about where mm-hmm. we're at and, and based on what's happening in our, in our life at the moment. I love that you bring up hope. Father Sean talked a lot about joy, like healing Mm. is a source of joy. But in order to get to the joy, there has to be hope in the heart of the person who walks over. You know, it's it's a brave thing to say, I need to find healing. It's a it's a brave act to admit there's something I need to dig into. What in the past few years? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to March of 2020 when the world shut down and everybody was home for the most part. What have you found in just the past two and a half years more and more is really, how do I, stirring in the hearts of people. Like, you know, all this time home alone with your spouse and with your kids, have you seen an uptick in the need for couples therapy? (laughs) All of this, you know, like, oh my gosh, like I found all my worth in, you know, for me it was traveling and speaking and now that's just completely cut off. And so now I feel worthless. What did you find people were really dealing with, specifically women, as they were seeking out healing, did you find there was an increase in people seeking out therapy and, and avenues of healing? Absolutely. I think especially now that we're two years out, I, I would say there's even more of an increase mm-hmm. than initially when COVID hit. I think we were still in shock and we didn't know what was happening to us. But after living through that experience, there's there's some trauma of constantly being in fear about, you know, is this virus going to get me and I could die at any second until, you know, until we learned more and realized, you know, how to stay safe. And so I think there are now the ramifications of going through that experience are starting to show up in all kinds of ways, whether it's heightened anxiety, depression, strains on relationships, absolutely. And so I think the experience of lockdown for people had just sort of put a magnifying glass on whatever was already happening that was sort of under the surface, but it gave an opportunity to come out. So if your marriage was already great before COVID, sure, it might've been a little stressful being in the house together, but you know, after COVID you, you were fine, you know, but if there were problems before COVID that kind of created mm-hmm. the wrong recipe, right. For everything to come to the surface and really highlight some of those dynamics And then I think in addition to that, we just have the experience of going through that trauma, which created a lot of symptoms for people Mm -hmm. as well. I think for women, you know, there were a lot of realizations personally about what is my value and my worth Mm -hmm. as a mom, as a wife, maybe some awakenings of I've been living a certain way for years and I actually don't 
think it's making me happy? And Mm. what do I do? And how do I express my needs and my desires to my family in a way that's helpful and, and unselfish and, but also still honoring myself, my dignity and my worth. Yeah. There was a, a moment, oh, I was, I'm going to say early COVID, but I, it, I might've been that summer where I, I told Tommy, I, my husband, I felt like I carried the mental load of the home and it really insulted him. And he was like, well, I do a lot. And I was like, it's not that you don't do a lot. It's just that I feel like I have a constant ticker in my head of all the things that need to be done. And I, I feel like I'm nagging you by asking you. It's not that you ever say no. It's that I just sometimes just like need you to do it for me without me having to say like the trash needs to be taken out or the kids need, you know, the appointment for the year at the doctor's office. Like, I feel like I'm carrying this. And I think that was amplified for a lot of women that the child care falls on us when it comes down to the child care stopped. If I'm working at home, then I somehow I'm the one that also has to figure that out because it would have already been on me to begin with or you know, th- this, this, okay, well, we really needed that date night and now we can't do it because everybody's stuck in the house and the restaurants are closed and takeout's getting really expensive. And okay, is that the only thing we know how to do together is just like to go sit at a restaurant and enjoy a meal. And so, like you said, that amplification, how does the healing process, it almost puts a bigger magnifying glass on that stuff, right? But not in such a way that you just need to see the blemishes. It, it's let's see the blemishes. Let's see the hurts and then figure out how to fix it, right? How to heal it, what medication you might not, you know, specifically, it's an analogy here, but like that it, healing is a further amplification, but not just for the sake of swimming around in the muck. It's, it's, it's an amplification so we can figure out how to get better. What, what does that start to look like? The person who's listening to this, who wants to seek out help, who, who realizes, okay, there's some wounds here from my mom. There's some wounds here from my dad. There's some wounds here from a bad relationship years ago. There's some wounds already with my own kids and I want to fix those now. How do you as a therapist start to dig into that with people? I mean, give folks that introduction. Like what are some of those first questions that get asked? Because I think a lot of people resist it because they don't know what's coming. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of questions to be asked. One, just what's your story? And I really mm-hmm. think healing, when when our wounds come up, it's an invitation to healing, right? And mm-hmm. We're talking about this implication, but it's also an invitation to say, here's an area where we can shine that light and focus. And instead of just having the Band-Aid, we can actually get down deeper to, you know, those layers of skin kind of fusing mm-hmm. and getting firmer and you're actually protected versus, you know, just putting a bandaid and running out, right? Yeah. Putting a bandaid over a broken leg isn't really going to help you very much, but we have to get, <laughs> get deeper, right? And so I think when these things come up, when these hurts come up, it's an invitation to say, what's going on? Let's find out what's underneath the surface and dig deeper. And so a lot of questions can, one of the first questions I always ask when people come in is, you know, tell me what brought you here. What, what is going on for you? Because that's really what's on the front of your mind. And so let's talk about that. I don't want to waste a lot of time. Like, Mm -hmm. tell me about when you were born. Tell me about, tell me what's (laughs) going on. Right. And so much can come out of that conversation, whether, you know, eventually, you know, whether it's a father wound or something like that, uh, general sleeping, eating habits. What are you experiencing? What are you noticing in your body? What's what's happening for you with your relationships? Are you more irritable? You know, whatever it might be, um, more tired. And so all of these things can be ways to pay attention to how those symptoms come up because for mm-hmm. everyone, it's a little bit different. 
I think that's a it's a good entry level. Okay, what brought you here? Like you right. obviously got in the car and drove. You you picked up the phone to make the appointment. I think about when I made my first dentist appointment. And it had been years since I'd gone to the dentist, like college. And then, you know, your whole 20s, you don't go and you get to the dentist's <laughs> office. And I was proud of myself because it was like, I hated the dentist. And now I like it. It's this nice little relaxing 45 minutes in a chair where nobody's asking me anything. And I can be quiet because my mouth is wide open. <laughs> and I, I got back in the car after the first dentist appointment. And I, I was reminded of the first time it was on Zoom, the first time I logged in for a therapy appointment. And again, that that courage that it can take to recognize like, I've got to do this, you know, like, like this for, for the greater good of my family, for the greater good of, of our future, I have to, I have to dig into what's going on and why I'm feeling this way and how I can fix it. You know, we've, we've been asking folks as they've shared professionally, like, this is what you can expect, or this is why it matters. You know, most of us have our own healing journeys, or at the very least, like have moments where we've become aware that we, we need to do something. And so, you know, free forum to share a little bit of your healing journey. And perhaps I, I found, especially with therapists, usually you want to give back in some way because it was given to you in a really good way, or at the very least, like you recognize there's value in this. So if, if you'd be willing, you know, when you were at the start of your healing journey, when you began to realize like, okay, something needs to be fixed, what was going through your head? What was that like for you? How did you seek out that help? Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like my healing journey is just ongoing and, and yeah. constant. And uh, so it's hard to pinpoint exact moments, but I, I even think back all the way back to high school and my youth ministry and, you know, had, had been on a Eucharistic centered retreat, had sort of been feeling the tugs of God on my heart, but not really ready to make that life change and fully enter in. And I remember my youth minister up there one day, just sort of talking to all the teens. And she says, you know, what do you have to lose, right? Why don't you give this a try? What do you have to lose? You know, if you lose your friends, were they really your friends anyway? Mm, mm. And, you know, there's something just sort of clicked in my head in that moment. And I said, you know what? She's right, you know? And I feel like even then was sort of the beginnings of healing from an over-reliance on what people think of you because of that one invitation. Somebody was bold enough to say, you know, make that invitation to follow Jesus. And that really changed me forever and sent me on this completely different path and trajectory in my life. And so I think God works in people through through boldness in great love in those ways, mm-hmm. all the way um, into dating, you know, my now husband. And we've we've had we have that's a whole nother podcast of talking <laughs> about how we how we got married and everything. But you know, before marriage, you know, having having some concerns about, you know, some healing that, that, that needed to happen in our relationship mm-hmm. and the Lord just sort of providing for that. And, and again, another spiritual parent of mine, a spiritual mentor sharing about, you know, God's grace and the sacrament of marriage. And once we became married, really utilizing that there were times where I was going through time where I had resentment with God and sort mm-hmm. of begrudgingly going to mass, dragging my feet. And I coming to that realization over time that, that God wasn't being cruel, you know, but there was, you know, carrying that pain that I had, was really questioning, did I do something wrong? Is there, you know, I'm doing this whole thing for you, Lord. And so why am I, you know, mass, rosary, adoration, like why, why are these things coming up in my life? Clearly there must be something you're unhappy with. Right. But then coming to that realization that, that, that has nothing to do with God. That's just the circumstances that life presents us based on whatever it is that's going on and, yeah. and able, able to heal from that. So I think there's just lots of little moments along the way 
where the Lord slowly invites us into deeper healing. Mm -hmm. And you can look back over the years and say, wow, you know, from high school to now, everything that that has happened as far as restoration for my heart to grow in trust and love of other people and, and believing in that for other people, I think is really phenomenal. Yeah. I, I love how you say it's an ongoing process because I mean, one of the things we've consistently said this whole season is it's not like you just, you graduate like, okay, yeah, I'm done with that. And I'm healed. Like, yes, there's the scar that's formed, but then you always know that that scar is, is there. And in some sense, I, I we had somebody, I forget who, it might be an episode later on because we record these out of order, but it was, I think they said that healing, like complete healing, it might have been Dr. Bob, complete healing comes when you can go back and tell the whole story and know the parts of it that once brought you great pain or that once you were terrified to even mention, you're able to say very, very honestly. And that doesn't mean that like your healing is finished. It just means that you've entered this new phase of healing where you can look back with clear eyes. So if if you can look back to young Regina, maybe at the beginning of your studies, the first patient that ever walked into your office, or even in the moments where you've recognized, okay, I need to heal these particular wounds. I need to find some help and give a piece of advice. What would that, that piece of advice at the start of that journey be? I would think to, to trust, to trust more because a lot of times the people that I work with, you know, especially when it's in a therapy context, you can only go bring people to a place that you're willing to go to yourself. And that's in ministry, counseling, whatever it may be. So trust, being willing to trust more, to be open, to be vulnerable in a, in a professional way, in a therapeutic context, but being, being Mm kind of open to that process to be comfortable with being messy and knowing that it's not, that it's okay. We don't have to have the perfect thing to say. I think young therapist Mm -hmm. Regina would have definitely needed to (laughs) hear about that, you know, thinking there was some kind of perfect formula of how you worded something. (laughs) And, you know, there's beauty, there's beauty in the mess, the mess of all that and the the growth of that. I love that trust. And there's beauty in that process. It's a good word for sure. Regina, where can folks follow you? Where can they find out more about the things that you offer? I mean, I'm sure in a time of COVID, you offer some virtual sessions. So tell us how we can find you. Yes, absolutely. On my website at reginaboyd.com, there's all kinds of resources there, blogs and whatnot. Um, We also have a digital course for couples. So go there to check it out. And special discount code for any listeners <laughs> if you're interested in it. Yeah. So uh, podcast 50 DDL for the name of the course, Discovering Deep Love. But yeah, reginaboyd.com. I'm on Instagram, Boyd Counseling Services and on Facebook, uh, Regina Boyd LMHC. Yeah, we will link it all, including that discount code. That's a great gift. I'm sure a lot of people will be able to use that. Well, we're, we're mentoring a newly engaged couple, so I'm definitely going to pass that along to them. It's the first time Tommy and I are doing any sort of couple prep for marriage. So Exciting. I'll pass that along to them for sure. Regina, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. You know, when I, I hung up the Zoom call with Regina... As I've done with every single one of these interviews, I kind of sat back in my chair and just like needed to take a moment because of what she shared, both her own story of healing, but also this this perspective from a professional standpoint about hopefulness in the healing journey. Sometimes it can feel incredibly hopeless because as we dig through our wounds and our woundedness, as we look at how this person hurt me or how that person hurt me or how I hurt myself or how these circumstances far beyond my control, right? We, we dig into all of these various things. 
we can be incredibly easy to become kind of frozen, stuck in this moment of, oh, there's no hope. And yet, even seeking out a conversation about healing, even hitting play on this podcast today, was a step forward in the healing journey and was hopefully hopeful for you. You know, hope is is rooted in this understanding that there's a promise to be fulfilled, right? Hope comes in the morning as the sun rises and this whole day is ahead of us. And we hopefully, how many times can I use this word in the outro of a podcast? We hopefully recognize that there is good to be had. I, I heard a, a line the other day that if it's not good, then he's not finished. Essentially saying that the Lord is present in all of it. And if in the midst of the journey, the struggle, the wound, that there's not yet goodness to be found, then the journey, the struggle, the wound is not yet finished. It's not healed because goodness will be there. And I think hope is holding on to that. Okay, goodness is coming. The Lord will show up. I am worthy to receive this healing. And I have hope that I will come to understand it. Regina Boyd offers some really excellent insights and also offers these insights, not just in our podcast, but with her professional counseling services. She also has a a course that she's given us 50% off. If you click down in the show notes, there's an access link to Discovering Deep Love, a course that she does for married couples who perhaps need to seek healing within their relationship, within their own heads and within their own hearts. And there's a link down in the show notes to not only access that course, but to get 50% off. There's a discount code down there. So we'd love it if you check it out. Obviously, she's got a lot of wonderful insights to offer, and she's a great voice in this field. I think you're really going to appreciate the Discovering Deep Love, a marriage course available to our listeners for 50% off. Link is down in the show notes. We're grateful that you took the time to join us this week. We'll be back next week with a whole lot more including conversations with two of my very dear friends, Roy Pettifee and Sister Josephine Garrett, about healing from the perspective of, of young people, of families, of children, of teenagers. They're excellent conversations. Don't miss anything. Click over to our website, AveMariaPress.com, and you can sign up for our weekly emails so you get all of this content right to your inbox or subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and you'll get the episodes right into your phone and you can listen to them the second they drop. Thanks so much for being with us this week. We'll see you soon with a whole lot more of Ave Explores Healing. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.